Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. This isn't so much like I'm like, yay, killers. Like this, it's the opposite. I think. We're all very fascinated by why people do this stuff. It's the psychology, like how are these people created, male or female? How are they crafted into, into becoming these sort of like hunters, these serial murderers? Everyone's got their thing. Welcome to this week's episode of Fanatics. Yes, I am Claire Kramer, and I am here with my lovely co-host. Oh, wait. Oh, hold on. Guys, my ride or die, David Magadoff, is now on paternity leave. So guess what? This week we have the amazing Jake Marin. Come on in and fill David's very large shoes. Hi, Jake. Hey, Claire. I am so happy to be here. Jake. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Who are you? Sure. I am a comedian, actor, writer, and game show host who uh, actually is from Dallas, Texas, lives in Los Angeles. I'm married, no kids, looking for our first dog baby. And more than that, I am interested in all kinds of crazy topics. So I'm excited about today's episode. I'm excited about the episodes in the future. And I can't wait to go down crazy YouTube rabbit holes based on what we talk about. It sounds like you're the perfect fit while David is out tending to his family. Yes, I think so. And I can't wait to work with you, Claire. And even more than that, I am so jealous because you got to hang out and talk with Amber Benson and I didn't get to do it. So I'm going to be listening to every single thing you say here today. <laughs> well, Jake, I let me just give you a bit of advice. When you're my awesome step-in co-host, you should listen to everything I say. And I will absolutely <laughs> listen to everything you say. Uh, that being said, yes, spoiler alert, the amazing Amber Benson is our guest for today's Fanatic episode. Yes, you know her as Tara from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Supernatural, Apartment 407. She's an amazing writer, producer. She directs. She's like... She's a singer, if anyone remembers the, the musical episode in season six. And, you know, she and Allison Hannigan had one of the first, like, young uh, same-sex relationships on TV. So she's, like, an icon in her own right. I love Amber. Anyway, it could be an Amber love fest here. But she is talking about female serial killers. Jake, <gasps> what do you know about female ser serial killers? Honestly, I know way too much. And I also know that Charlize Theron won that Oscar for playing the monster. Uh, Arlene yeah. Warnos. Ooh, ooh. that's And that's only one. There's a bunch of them. 
we actually talk about Arlene in the episode. No spoilers. I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> but it, it was interesting because, you know, most of the time when people come on Fanatics, they're like, I'm fanatical about sushi or I'm fanatical about yoga. And this topic was a little bit different not only in an, in the fact that you will only hear me interviewing Amber for this episode, but in the fact that it's hard to proclaim your love for female serial killers yeah. because you're not really in love with the act of killing or the the female that's doing the egregious act. I you're, hope not. You're actually you're fascinated with the study of. Mm. So there's a little sort of different vibe to the episode for those reasons. And on a serious note, I did want to give a heads up. Consider this a trigger warning if you are sensitive to topics of murder, sexual violence, physical violence. That is all discussed in this episode. Uh, so if that is not something that you are ready to listen to today, please go ahead and hit pause. We will not be offended and we'll see you next week. However, I think you guys will really enjoy it. So please, Amber Benson talking about her fanaticism for female serial killers. I can't wait. All right, Amber, is it true or is it a myth that female serial killers are just copycats of male serial killers? <laughs> um, you know, uh, I think that is kind of like the antithesis of sort of my sort of hypothesis about like why women kill and how they kill and what what they do as killers, uh, their MOs. I think women are totally different than men, but I think that is changing. Well, you're going to start to see women who kill in the same way that men kill. But right now, when you look at like the data points and the research, women are very different in how, how they go about dispatching people. Okay, we're going to get into all the... I like that word, dispatching. I had not associated that word with serial killers, but it makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> dispatching this body. We are talking about female serial killers, and for someone who just has no idea what that means or that females who kill exist, how would you define that term? What makes a female serial killer? So serial killer in general is somebody who, you know, is a multi multiple... They, they kill multiple numbers of people. It's not just one person. It's not a spree killer who just like goes out and maybe takes down a bunch of people in one sort of fell swoop. Serial killers are multiples. And female serial killers are different than male serial killers in that they are better, I think, at what they do in a lot of ways. <laughs> because mm -hmm. uh, there are way more women who kill out there that we know nothing about because they're very good at hiding their tracks. What percentage have been discovered that are even able to be data points versus your hypothesis of how many exist? Uh, do we know about 20% of the female serial killers? Do we know about 40%? If you had to just make a hypothesis here, what would that be? You know, I'm not sure because there are so many women who kill people that are in their sphere, their domestic sphere. And it kind of is considered an accident or, you know, if in the, in the sort of example of, of somebody who, who goes after children, you know, it's accidental, it's SIDS, it's, you know, all of these things that, that come across like they're not really killing. This is, this is natural. This, this, you know, just is bad luck. So it's, I, I don't know, it's hard to say. I imagine, 
I imagine we, we do know a, a, a large number, you know, um, because the more you do something, the more you sort of open yourself up to, to being found out, you're going to leave, you're going to leave something behind. You're going to make a mistake of some kind. Um, but yeah, I think there, there are, I don't know if I was going to guess in the ballpark. We probably see 60%. And then there's probably 40% that go undetected. Mm -hmm. And okay, for you, that's what just is my the, guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a valid guess. I, I And then I was also factoring, by the way, the data points of like what we don't know for male serial killers. And like, basically, then my mind was exploding. So let's, let's move on from what we don't know. And talk about what we do know. How did you get <clears throat> intrigued into studying about the female serial killer psyche? Like what, what is it that drew you in to this topic? Well, I think the idea of serial killers in general is kind of fascinating. But for me, I don't know that 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 like feminist streak inside of me is like, well, how come, you know, the dudes are sort of like the sort of the big heavy hitters and women are sort of relegated to like, you know, the back seat when it comes to, to, to this kind of stuff. There have to be women who, who kill in this way. And so I, I started researching and it became clear to me that, that there were a lot of women who, who are serial killers, but there are not a lot of them up to now who are ritualistic psychosexual serial killers, which is sort of like sort of the, 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 the paradigm, if you will, of, of serial killer, you know, the Ted Bundy's, the Jeffrey Dahmer's, where they, you know, torture and get off on the, the ritualistic, you know, um, torture of, of their victims, usually in like a, a sexual way. You don't you don't see that with women in the same way. Women are sort of driven more, at least up until now, women have been driven by, you know, financial gain. They want attention or sympathy, sometimes revenge. But the motives are very much I want something versus um, I have this like fantasy in my head of something that has to be sort of assuaged by going out and acting that that fantasy out in a ritualistic way like men. Well, it's like, you know, when a woman, <laughs> yeah, like men, <laughs> when a woman exhibits with her child, you mentioned SIDS and that, you know, being often a mask for a killing Munchausen yeah. by proxy where yep. the woman is, is creating an uh, illness. And it's, it's almost that that is the attention seeking behavior, except this yeah. results in a, in a murder versus yeah. just a, just a sickness, which is crazy. I mean, I, I just, for a woman to do that is crazy, but you know, we're women. So thinking about it, you know, you wonder how many steps away am I from making a decision like that? There's got to be an infinite number of steps, right? I mean, well, I think that we as a society think of women as being, you know, passive and maternal and we just can't see them acting like this. We, we, just, we just don't want to see women behaving this way. And so I think we put blinders on. I think you have a lot of very angry and uh, abused women and, and I, women identifying people who, who um, would act out if they were given the opportunity. But because women, I think for a really long time, were relegated to this very domestic sphere. All you had around you were the people in your life. And so you had to be very careful because, you know, you're going to be the first person suspected if all the kids around you are dying or the elderly people you take care of are dying. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's that far. I, I, I think 
we're not that far removed at any moment from from behaving this way. I don't think women are just sweet maternal creatures. I think there there's a lot of depth and a lot of rage in women. <laughs> <laughs> I I definitely agree. How do you learn about different cases and different data points? What is your, do you read? Are you, do you, I loved when I was growing up, Anne Rule, who wrote not just about female serial killers, but about all of them. Are you Googling? What is your, what is your form of educating yourself on this topic? No, definitely reading, you know, um, The Stranger Beside Me is an incredible book by Anne Rule, who, you know, basically wrote about the fact that she was on a, on a I think it was a suicide helpline with Ted Bundy and was friends with him and had no idea that this was somebody who was out there committing these really heinous crimes against women. Which just goes to show that, you know, when you're dealing with a sociopath, they're very charming and they're very good at, at, at you know, at dissimilating so that you don't, you don't realize what's actually underneath. And I think, you know, we don't want to see women that way. We don't want to look at women as being, you know, sociopaths. We want women to be nice and maternal. But yeah, uh, you know, uh, John Douglas has written a bunch of stuff. He's a profiler or who was a profiler for the, for the FBI. You know, uh, the Internet is a great resource as far as like researching this kind of topic. I really I honestly got into the sort of female side of it because, like I said, I was curious about like why we don't see women who behave this way or they're not, you know, part of the sort of the lexicon in the same way as the men. And I actually started, I, I wrote a pilot that I sold about a female serial killer. And for mm-hmm. me, the hypothesis was, well, how do you craft a woman who kills the way that men kill? Because from research, women don't kill that way. You don't see them doing these. What are you know, what are the differences? Out. Yeah, tell me, talk to me about that. What what are the what delineates <clears throat> due to gender? Well, like I said, with like these sort of these psychosexual killers, there's you know there's something called the McDonald Triad, which is part of the research into uh, male serial killers is, is like, well, why are they this way? And so the McDonald tri- Triad basically postulates that if you see these three sort of um, behaviors in young boys, there is a chance you're dealing with a sociopath or a serial killer. Bedwetting into like, you know, early adolescence, um, setting fires and cruelty to animals. Mm. And so there's, there, there's been a ton of research on the male side and there's been very little as far as, as, you know, why women do these things. And I don't know if that's just because these men are so bombastic and over the top and, and the way they kill is so bananas that like everyone's just fascinated by it. And because women do it in this very sort of sly sort of removed way, it's not as appealing. Like the way women, women kill. So men, when, when, you know, we think about these, these big ticket guys, they go out and they hunt victims. They have types, they have MOs, they kill in specific ways Usually there, there is some sort of sexual component, mm-hmm. even if the sexual component is that they get off on, on the torture and the killing itself, not in like a, an actual act of, of, of you know, mm-hmm. a sexual act, but the behavior and what they do is, is what's attractive to them. And it's very personal and intimate. They like get in there and they like have a very intimate relationship with their victim. Whereas, you know, women have sort of a remove when they kill. 
you know, and I, and I, and I, this is like a blanket statement because obviously there are women who are not this way, but the majority of them, like it's poisoning, it's suffocation, shooting, it's all at a remove. They're not in there strangling a victim, which is a very intimate way to kill somebody. Yeah, face to face. Face to face where, where, you, you know, you're getting off on, for women, it's that they're not getting off on the act. They are after something. Mm-hmm. It is a means to an end, whereas these guys, it's very much about the act itself and the escalation of the fantasy. And every time they do it, it gets crazier and crazier because it's not enough. Mm-hmm. You do it and you're like, oh, I need something more. So then it escalates to the next step. And so you see, you know, um, serial rapists who then escalate into murder because the rape is not enough. Because rape is not about sex. Rape is about power over somebody else. Mm-hmm. So that that sort of the the rationale behind why these these people do what they do is is very different for women versus men. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, "What's your secret?" Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only 14.95. Bite clear aligners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Does that kind of answer? (laughs) Yes, 100%. What is the main motive for women? We were talking about like an emotional fulfillment, a, you know, men we just discussed, but what, what does the main motive revenge? What, what does it seem to be? (laughs) I I think a lot of it's financial, Mm -hmm. you know, back in the day, you would have these very, you know, you would have these sort of like lower class women, very poor who um, there was sort of this thing where you could you could take out insurance on on the people around you, you know it wasn't very much money back then, but it but it was to them, and they would you know they would just take out these these little policies on the people in their family, and then they would mysteriously die, and then they'd have money, <laughs> right? You know that's that's a financial motive. The killing of somebody in your in your domestic sphere. I keep using that term, but like. Women were, were relegated to the household. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only in the last, what, since like the 1970s that women have really been out in the workforce and been independent. And even, you know, the last 10 years where women kind of are overtaking men when it comes to, to going out into the workforce and being their own people. So, yeah, then you have, you know, you have women, you know, they call them the black widow killers. Financial. You know, they marry wealthy men or men they take insurance policies out on and then they kill them for financial gain. Mm-hmm. Something that's really interesting is we talk about Eileen Warnos. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the film Monster. Um, yes, Charlize and, Theron. Yep, yep, yep. And we talk about her being sort of like more like she's like the first real female serial killer, they say, because, 
you know, she, she was going out there and hunting, you know, taking victims and killing them. She was doing sex work and she would take these, she would get picked up by these men and then she would kill them. Mm-hmm. But when I sort of started researching her, um, it seemed to me that she fit more into the female category because it wasn't about really getting off on the killing per se. It was much more about the, the monetary sort of uh, value of these men. You know, she mm-hmm. had a girlfriend who they were living together in this hotel and, and she was financially supporting them. And in order to, to sort of keep this girlfriend in, in her life, she was making money by killing these guys. So it feels as much or more so about a financial motive than, than an actual like ritualistic, I get off on killing these guys. So have you been able to identify a male likened serial killer or as we are discussing, it more leans towards the logistical female side is the reason behind the killings? Well, I, I, like, I, like I said before, I think we're sort of in the middle of a sea change because women are going out into the world and they have autonomy in a way that women have never had autonomy before. And you are starting to see women who kill in a different kind of way. Specifically, mm-hmm. for example, there's a woman named Joanna Dennehy, and she's from the UK. Uh, there were the Peterborough Ditch Murders. And she had three victims, men that she was engaged in some sort of like, relationship with or she picked up who she killed Mm -hmm. and then she had these men in her life that she would that would help her to dispose of the bodies but she got off on the killing in a way that you don't normally see with women in fact she dressed one of the bodies in a sequin dress placed them in the ditch in a very compromising position because she was humiliating this person in Mm -hmm. death you know, which is you see you see positioning in male serial killers where they place because basically they don't think of their victims as real people. Do you know right. what I mean? Right. They're, they are they are uh, a means to an end. They are to be used and discarded. They're like garbage. And they they place them in these very weird positions in order to sort of humiliate and degrade the corpse. And she did that, you know, so. That is happening. I think mm-hmm. it, it is. It is on the horizon. That's my my hypothesis, at least. With the and, with the new uh, Gen Zers <laughs> yeah. that are going to be killing. <laughs> well, I just I just think that like the 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 sort of you know the idea of what it means to be female in our society is changing. I was just going to say that I feel like the you know every this is a compliment to that generation by the way. <laughs> a they're very gender blind and also gender uh fluid, I would say for the most part and mm-hmm. I think that that is a wonderful thing and in killing it may not be a wonderful thing but I think it will bleed over like you said as these you know as we get further away from the 70s when women did have you know the women's movement and moving into the workforce and out of the home you mentioned dispatching now this <laughs> we kind of <laughs> laughed about the term but now I'm intrigued because I didn't necessarily associate positioning the body with a male serial killer but now mm-hmm. I I can recognize that in the news stories I've seen, that is correct. So talk about dispatching and the differences there. Oh, and like and like how they kill? Well, yes. Is dispatching the disposal of the body or is it the killing and the disposal? I or think, what does yeah, that mean? But, so dispatch is just another word for mer- for killing. When you dispatch oh, really? somebody. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's a, it's a great word though. 
Um, it totally needed another meaning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've spent a lot of time reading all of this like like research material. So I, I'm using words that I've sort of taken I, from that. I think that, um, you know, I just realized there was actually a sci-fi dictionary. And I think I see an opening, <laughs> Amber, for your next book. You don't have to like commit yeah. to a script. You Just a serial right killer on. dictionary. Like just I'm a in. serial killer. Well, oh, I, I do want to, yeah, I do want to say that like, this isn't so much like I'm like, yay, killers. Like this, it's the opposite. I think we're all very fascinated by why people do this stuff. It's the psychology. Like, how are these people created, male or female? How are they crafted into, into becoming these sort of like hunters, these serial murderers? You know, and we, we talk about like the idea that like you can have a family where one one person, you know, they're raised the exact same way and one person turns out one way and the other sibling turns out a totally different way. It's like some people can endure horrible abuse, physical, sexual, emotional, and they don't they don't do this. And then other people go through the same experience and they, you know, take it outward and they they you know it, it becomes they, they have to deal with their demons via like you know acting out so mm -hmm. it, it's really interesting to me and and from a psychological point of view and i think also like as women we walk around going you know i feel like i i'm a victim kind of all the time when i walk out on the street you know like it's it's scary out there a little bit so we want to be prepared and i think maybe that's also why this is so interesting especially to women mm -hmm. and something else that i find really fascinating is that like women for the most part turn inwards when they've when they've gone through abuse you see a lot of a lot of self-harm and and eating disorders mm -hmm. and sexual acting out with where it's it's the opposite with men and a lot you know and like i said these are not blanket statements everyone is different and unique but sort of yeah. you know yeah but with but with men there's the acting out there's mm -hmm. the rage and the and the aggression and the putting it out on other people and, th and that's interesting and that also kind of confirms like you know well why are women different when we talk about murder and maybe mm -hmm. some of that is is that just like the the makeup of women and how we handle things and i don't know if that's societal and that's what's put on us as women or if that's something that is baked into the fact that we, you know, we have families and we raise children. And so, you know, we're not allowed to be violent in that same way. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Well, you mentioned, was it the McDonald triangle, the trifecta of like markers that would yeah. identify a male in their youth? Is there such a thing for females or is it more a decision-based process of like intellectually deciding to go to that next level with your behavior? Well, number one, there's been so much research about male murderers and very little in comparison with women and people of color. Mm -hmm. And I think we see that across the board in our society that like, I mean, just talk about like, you know, medical research. Most of it is conducted on white heterosexual males. And then that is then sort of put on the rest of us, even though we're all different and how women's bodies are, you know, in the, is very different than men, you know. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's been sort of what's happened with, with this research as well. 
So the McDonald triad, as far as I know, is not really applied to women. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure what the markers yeah. are yeah. you know, for women. There's not really a like defined, like the McDonald tri- triad. I think I'm that, good that not knowing of- actually, Amber, because if I see a marker in myself, <laughs> then I'm going to be like, oh no, I, I, <laughs> how many decisions before, you know? Um, so let me ask you this. <laughs> how much of, you know, when you sit down in the evening, to watch TV or to like go on your computer, how often do you find yourself researching, Googling, watching about this, reading about, you know, female serial killers? How often does that, do you participate in this interest? Well, I listen to My Favorite Murder, which is an awesome podcast. And I listen to they, it too. <laughs> they touch on all this stuff um, in a very thoughtful, but like lighthearted because you have to be you have to be a little lighthearted with this stuff because it's so awful and painful and demoralizing. Um, and I know they're never making fun of, of the situation. They're, you know, they're looking at the absurdity of some of it and the humor comes from that. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I definitely, I love reading about this stuff. I read fiction in this milieu. Silence of the Lambs is probably one of my favorite films. My boyfriend makes fun of me because he's like, you're the only person I know that listens to uh, or watches forensic files when they're getting ready in the morning. Oh, Uh that is my favorite show. That is my, (laughs) it's my hotel go-to. Okay. So did you pull the boyfriend into this? Is he now alongside you participating in, in, uh, no, no, he thinks I'm totally bananas. (laughs) (laughs) Which clearly you're not. Um, so Mm. talk to me about the most fascinating character female character in this world that you have encountered oh man well you know the eileen Werno stuff is is fascinating because you look at it like she had a, a a horribly abusive upbringing and was very abused by the people in her life and by people in the world and it's so gutting to like look back at, at like the trajectory of how she went from a small child to this this woman who was out there committing these heinous uh, crimes. You have a little sympathy for her because of, of what was done to her and the way she was treated. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, for me, actually, what I find really fascinating, what I feel like sort of sort of supports my hypothesis about like how women women behave and, and mm-hmm. this sea change is the like the serial killer couples. Oh, yeah. Talk to me. Talk to um, me there. <laughs> yeah. So I find them really interesting because the women participate in a way that is not sort of what we've been talking about. It's not about financial. It's not about sympathy or empathy or, or revenge. It, they, they are part and parcel with the men. Or with other women. So mm-hmm. you have people like Carla Hamukla and you have her, her guy. Um, why am I blinking on his name? Uh, Paul Bernardo, who were called the Ken and Barbie killers. They were in Canada. And he started out. What's really interesting about the couples is that like oftentimes left to their own devices, had they never met these couples, they probably would not have escalated to murder. Mm-hmm. Paul Bernardo, Bernardo was a serial rapist. He mm. met Carla and they got married and together they started torturing and murdering women and videoing it. 
And in fact, they tortured and murdered her sister. And Paul raped her. And she was a participant. She helped to drug her sister. Oh, my gosh. So when you look at when you look at it in terms of like these are women behaving in kind of ways that men behave, mm-hmm. it's not that far removed from, you know, women going from partnership to being, you know, the masterminds or, or solo performers in this arena. Then you have like couples like Myra Henley and Ian Brady, the uh, Moore's murders. They, you know, they would, they killed five children. They would, you know, um, kind of, you know, take them to the moors and abuse them and then kill them. And they did it as a team. Then you, you also have like female team killers. You have um, like Gwendolyn Graham and uh, what's her name? Kathy Wood. And they worked in a nursing home mm-hmm. and they murdered at least five patients and they got off on it. It turned them on in a sexual way. Wow. Well, it's interesting. The dynamics of the the killing couples is, you know, there's been studies that prove that like if one person witnesses a crime, they're very compelled to report it. But if two people witness or three people or the more people that witness a criminal act, they don't feel the obligation because they were part of a group versus being the only person. So I can understand how someone who the behavior wouldn't escalate solo wise can get drawn in in a group. Being an artist yourself, <laughs> being an actor, what would your approach be to playing one of these characters? You know, it's it's like getting really down and dirty. It's different when you are, you know, playing something in the sci-fi world uh, versus, or the genre fantasy world versus like, I'm actually playing a woman who murdered. Like, how do you keep your sanity and portray that role? <laughs> well, I think as long as it's not based on a true story, it's it's kind of easier because you're <laughs> you're just sort of crafting this character sort of whole cloth yourself you know you're coming up with their backstory you're you're sort of you know bringing them to life whereas the true crime stuff i don't know i've as a writer i've written a number of true crime things uh for a lifetime and to be honest with you it kind of it's kind of upsetting and you end up really um, sort of burnt emotionally because you are delving into someone's real life, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I mean, it's, it's, re- it's real. It's not just some made-up fantasy thing. So I think as I've, I've, I've sort of worked in that world, I've tried really, really hard to be respectful and to, to look at them or to look at the people I'm writing about in a non-judgmental way mm-hmm. and I, I would assume as an if I were to be an actor doing doing that I would I would um, impact I mean the impact would be you know very it would be very emotional and hard to do and I would have to sort of look at it the same way and try and be as non-judgmental as possible but luckily I'm sort of removed from the acting thing now that's sort of like my in my you, old life when I was you can actor, you can so never I, let go though Amber it will yeah. never go away <laughs> uh, but I I have like as an actor passed on like there was a Manson thing that I passed on. I was like, I don't really feel comfortable mm-hmm. playing. Um, yeah. 
it's it's such an interesting topic, you know, serial killing, female serial killers. Why? Why do you think this intrigues you? Is it something like uncovering the mystery? Like we've talked a lot about the psychology. Is it a desire to understand like the human, the female mind? What what is so intriguing and why are you drawn to this topic? Well, you've mentioned a couple of times the idea of like how far removed am I from becoming somebody like this? You personally. Well, I've and also I mentioned it about myself, so. <laughs> that, 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 that's what I mean. That's what I mean. I think yeah. there's something, I think there's something baked in, into that idea that we all want to understand, you know, how close we could come to behaving this way. And so um, when you, when you're sort of reading about this stuff or researching it or watching, there's a part of you that's trying to gauge, well, where do I fit on the scale of this? Could I ever, you know, am I one of those people that would kill somebody if they were threatening me or my family? Am I somebody who, you know, if I could get away with it, would hurt somebody? You know, you start to have those questions about yourself. And so looking at, you know, real cases allows you to sort of compare and contrast yourself to them, I think, in some ways. I mean, we all, we all have a darkness mm-hmm. inside us. I think the real thing is, you know, do we act on that darkness? Do we, it's choice, right? For Mm -hmm. for most of us, it's a choice. I think for the people we're talking about right now in this podcast, I think for a lot of them, there is no choice. Mm -hmm. It's either they, they, something happened to them. Like they, they, they sort of postulate that um, head injuries, traumatic brain injuries are a big part of like male serial killer, uh, that, that phenomenon that, that, you know. They, they've done a lot of research and the majority of male serial killers have some sort of head trauma as children. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, which is fascinating, right? Uh-huh. Another so, marker. Yeah. So, you know, if you think in terms of that, like, or you talk about PTSD, you talk about like, you know, all the, the traumatic brain injuries you see in sports and then these guys later in life killing their families or doing these horrible things because something was damaged, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, biologically, physiologically, I'm doing like a weird head thing here. I'm understanding it. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, if you think in terms of that, you're like, well, you know, I haven't had a traumatic brain injury that I am aware of. So maybe I have a lot more control over yeah. And, and just behavior. (laughs) Yeah. And just to dig a little further, what do you think, you know, why do you like studying this darkness? I mean, you know, this, this side of the psyche, the female psyche. I guess for me personally, I worry that there's a part of me that isn't, you know, um, kind and nice (laughs) that could do something awful you know, I, I worry about that. I, th- I feel like we all kind of worry about that. We're all sort of like, am I a bad person? Am I a good person? Um, and maybe I'm judging myself against, against some of these, these things that I'm reading going, okay, well, I must be a good person because I wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, but I also think there's just something that, I mean, if you just get down to brass tacks, good versus evil and this idea of like inherent good and inherent evil. And are these people who do these, that commit these atrocities, are they evil? Are they just human who, you know, like they've been damaged? And so, you know, 
I, I think the idea of evil is fascinating to me. Yeah. And really, we could just keep going and going and going. But we today we have to we have to wrap. <laughs> so I would love for you, Amber, Amber Benson, to regale us with a love letter to research on female serial killers and data points, so, if you would. <laughs> Yeah, so dear uh, uh, research into female serial killers and the multiple data, data points that we still don't really know about because we have not done enough research into ladies who kill, I in no way condone any of the atrocities that are perpetuated by women who kill or men who kill, but I am very fascinated by why psychologically you guys are driven to this point where you feel like it's okay to take someone else's life. And I spent a lot of time thinking about it and wanting to understand. And maybe it's just I want to understand myself. Maybe I'm scared that, you know, and I, when I walk out into the world, you're going to be there. <laughs> but I, I do a lot of thinking about you. And, uh, yeah, love, love Amber. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of thinking about you. Love Amber. I love it. <laughs> Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Jake, isn't it so interesting how the evolution of female serial killers has sort of developed so that now the male situational killer and the female situational killer are sort of starting to mirror each other for the first time? Uh, yeah, it's... I mean, I'd say shocking, but, you know, women can do anything that men can do. And I guess that includes killing multiple other people. And uh, I'm glad we touched on that this episode because I've listened to a bunch of these Fanatics episodes and every single one's so different. But I feel like this one was another level, Claire. How'd you feel uh, discussing all this topic? Well, I mean, it was kind of weird because at one point, and I'm glad Amber sort of like, she sort of pacified me in this way when I had this thought of like, wow. You know, I always say with just life in general, you're 10 bad decisions away from like a completely different life. You know, you can make one or two bad decisions, but as a human, like as Claire, at least I try to course correct. Like if something yes. is really is wrong, then you've got to like lock down and get dirty and recorrect things so that everything, the chaos goes away and your life gets back on track. But if you make continually 10 of those bad decisions, then you're going to be in a 
way different place. And we sort of touched on like, what would it take for you, Claire, or you, Amber, to mm-hmm. like murder? <laughs> it was a very uncomfortable spot to kind of go into mentally, you know, but Amber sort of went there with me. So it was okay. That That's sort of like my extrapolation from this episode is like, just even that thought of what would it take for, you know? Yes. And I don't even want to talk about it anymore. That's it, Jake. that's it we're done we're out we're done i will say though i did grow up uh reading the Anne rule books like lots Mm. of girls were reading like nancy drew and you know the the sweet valley high and the babysitter's club i was like reading murder (laughs) 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 so i have always much like amber had this fascination which you can sort of mask in writing and being an artist. It was funny. I read one of those memes about being mm-hmm. an author earlier today. And it was like the the search engine, like if you were to, you know, look at the search engine for an author, it would be something even a serial killer wouldn't allow to be on their computer. Right? <laughs> so, They're watching right. and authors don't care. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Yes. Well, you know, moreover than that, Amber, Amber is awesome. The topic was awesome. But Jake, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you. It's great. It's great to be here. And thank you for your warm welcome. And I can't wait to join you because this one was so fun to listen to. I can't wait to have some conversations with some amazing people. I know. this. The, the, you got your feet wet in this one. And next uh-huh. week, you are full <gasps> on co-hosting with me. So it is going to be a great episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. As we always say, sharing is caring. Share this podcast with your friends. Tell everyone you know. Until next week, Jake and Claire. Audi. Audi. Well, before you go, next week we have a very special guest, J.C. Elliott. You've seen her on Station 19. You've seen her, of course, on Grey's Anatomy as Dr. Taram Helm. And you're going to see her here next week. So tune in because we're going down a deep, dark rabbit hole of fun where we talk about quantum physics and get into some real deal questions about life and the meaning of it. And I can't wait. So come back and check it out. Thank you for listening to Fanatics, a Roddenberry podcast. For more episodes and info, head over to wearefanatics.com or tweet your Fanatics thoughts and stories at wearefanatics. Yes, that's we are F-A-N-A-D-D-I-C-T-S. Our show is hosted by Claire Kramer and me, David Magadoff. Produced by me, Claire Kramer, and Kelsey Goldberg. Executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham. And you can thank Stephen Mudd for our theme song. Catch us next Thursday for another Fanatics episode. Are you tired of dating assholes? Do you want a Prince Charming? If so, we're filming a reality show. Sign up here. 12 American women are flown over to the UK for a Bachelor-style reality dating show. There are so many questions about a show like this because it's so odd. These women have been told that they were going to be dating the world's most eligible bachelor, Prince Harry. What? Y'all playing with me, right? You can binge The Bachelor of Buckingham Palace exclusively on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app.